Well, I felt touched by singing some of those words this morning that I uh, failed to get through two of them, which isn't great for someone leading the singing, but um, hopefully I'm going to get through to the end of this one anyway. Um, we're continuing in our series in Luke, and we're going to be looking at the passage that we've just uh, been read to us so very well by uh, David and Glynis. It's fairly o- early on in Luke. We haven't gone through too much of Jesus' story according to Luke, but what we have had is Jesus... Uh, being prepared and anointed by God for his mission to save the lost. And he has proclaimed that he has come to uh, release the captives, give sight to the blind. And he has started his ministry. Many people are um, being captivated by the stories they're hearing about Jesus, and he is starting to draw the crowds. Well, what we're going to do this morning, although it's a fairly lengthy passage, we're not going to spend all our time covering all of it. But what we're going to do is look at the first part, uh, in particular, verses 12 to 16, and then refer to the last, um, last verses uh, later on. I don't know if um, any of you watch it, but comic relief has been and gone, but in, in recent times, so it's not too far. But we're all aware of how they get us to donate. They present us with images, don't they? They give us stories of people suffering, of children suffering. And we can sympathize, can't we? We sympathize with them. We even go so far as to empathize with the people who are suffering. And for most of us, and I hope for most of us, it may motivate us to give. We had um, a while back, and it's been repeated many times, isn't it? A band aid. Do they know it's Christmas? We hear that song as well. We're thinking of others whose situations are worse than ours. And we even have that line in in the song, don't we? Um, It says, Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Realizing their plight and their situation, but distancing ourselves from it. It's nothing to do with me, but I can empathize at least what they're going through. In fact, we get get it... um, Nowadays, with global warming and the threat of sea level rises, I don't know about you, but I consider I'm okay at the moment. I see global warming as a good thing in terms of I might get warmer Aprils, I might get sunnier. I don't live near the sea level, so so even if the sea level rises, I am not in danger. It's nothing really that requires for me to do anything. But the thing is, there's a danger of doing the very same thing to this passage. There's a real danger to our own very souls if we don't put ourselves in this situation. If we don't consider ourselves to be in the situation of this leper. Because if we don't, we are no way going to be motivated in the same way, are we? We don't struggle like the African child does as we prepare to give in comic relief. We don't do the walking for the water. We don't pick uh, through the dirt and the rubbish to earn some money. We are not motivated in the same way. And so if we read this leper and we say, well, it's about him and not about me, we're in real danger of missing what God has to say to us this morning. You see, it's quite a surprising request, isn't it, of this leper. When When I started to read it and mull over it, you see, he says... He comes to the Lord Jesus. He says, if you will, you'll make me clean. He doesn't come to Jesus and say, Lord, can you make me better? Can you fix my leprosy? 
He doesn't ask that. He says, make me clean. I've got the pink cup. He says, make me clean. See, this guy is not appealing to his direct position, um, condition. Sorry, He's not saying, cure me of my leprosy. He is saying, make me clean. He is asking for not a simple act of healing. He wants something far more fundamental. He wants the Lord Jesus Christ to take him from a position of an outcast and to restore him. He doesn't say just fix what's around me at the moment. But he's saying change my life. He doesn't only want to be free of his ailments. He wants his life back too. He wants to be restored to the position that he once was. See, being unclean is the issue for this man. Not that he has leprosy uh, directly, but he is saying it's, it's his cleanliness which is causing him problems. He is, this is the desperate need that he comes to Jesus. And the idea of being clean and unclean comes way back through into the Old Testament. Introduced, uh, or uh, certainly comes primarily out of the book of Leviticus. Um, an easy way of saying it, it may be a handbook for the priests of the Old Testament, but it's far much more than that. But it goes through um, conditions and situations which make things clean or unclean. So basically, it was a system whereby you were declared either in or out. That's simply it. You are either in God's people, yet you are in his favor and presence, or you're not. You're set aside. See, the Old Testament deals with a lot of pictures and illustrations to help us. God works through the Old Testament so that we may see things which are hidden to our eyes. They also foreshadow what may be fulfilled or what will be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus gives us an understanding what was going back then in the book of Leviticus. Have a read of chapters 11 onwards. Well, actually read the whole lot, but certainly chapters 11 onwards talks about this unclean. And you'll be starting to think, oh, how do you cope with this? But look it through what Jesus has done. You see, it declared things to be clean or unclean, fit for the purposes of God, or unfit for the purposes of God. And it all becomes clearer when we look at the Lord Jesus and what he says about it. In fact, the, Old Test- uh, the Leviticus law said some foods were unclean. But in the New Testament, uh, after, uh, Jesus was saying that all foods are now uh, clean. And basically, the coming of the Lord Jesus makes a whole lot of difference. Well, the leper was sick. The leper is sick. And here it is used as a picture of uncleanliness. And if you have your Bibles, just look down. Because this is where Luke, in light of his understanding of, uh, of Jesus Christ, he connects this sickness, this uncleanliness, uh, with uncleanliness and sin. See, in verse 27... Sorry. 
It's not 27 at all. It's verse 31. It says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of uh, a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Sickness and sin. Cleanliness and forgiveness. Jesus is saying that this outward picture of this leper is a picture for us to regard ourselves as unclean in our sin before God. See, it reveals a hidden truth in a most visual way. Well, Leviticus 13, if that's the passage you want to go to, because that talks specifically about leprosy. Leprosy is not the, um, wasn't then uh, known as the leprosy that we know, where you have deformity and bits of you falling off. It just referred to general bad, bad skin conditions. Yet um, a preacher named Spurgeon, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said this of this. He said, leprosy. He said, it's a very poor portrait, very poor portrait of the loathsomeness of sin. And indeed, it is. But you see, if we cannot identify ourselves with the leper, we will not perceive, we will not think that we need a saviour. Well, let's have a look at the leper. He was unclean, unfit for God's presence, unfit for the worship of God. But you might think he's, he's had a bit of a hard, hard sort of like lot, really, hasn't he? Was it his fault that he had leprosy? It seems a little bit arbitrary. The poor guy, he's he just got, been afflicted with a bad skin condition. So therefore, does he mean that he's not um, able to participate in the things of God? But we just need to keep in our mind that it serves as a picture of what Jesus is actually doing. It serves as a picture to illustrate that what God wants us to know about being clean and unclean. If you are unclean, you're helpless. You can do nothing about your own situation. No matter how much scrubbing you do, you are unclean if you are declared unclean. You see, there were plenty of rules about being unclean. I've mentioned one about food could make you unclean. There's things like insects could make you unclean if you touched insects or carcasses of insects. There's animals. A woman after childbirth. It's not, it's not really her fault, is it, to be unclean just because she gives a, um, has a baby. You see, even if you touched something that was unclean, you became unclean yourself. I don't know if you've actually uh, done some craft with glitter. Do you know what that's like? I know that we tend to sort of like kind of avoid it at Roots a little bit more often now because when you get some glitter out, you can be absolutely assured that no matter how much you sweep, you will always find glitter on the floor. You'll go home and your wife will blink and you notice glitter in her eyelids. You'll go on another week and you'll find glitter in your clothes. Such is this uncleanliness before God. But it's with far more serious consequences. 
we can be infected so, so easily. And I firmly believe that at some point in the life of every, every single Israelite, that they would have become unclean. You know, if we think that raising a small family is tough, trying to keep them all pristine and nice, just think about having to wash every time that you came into contact with an insect which has been deemed unclean, or sat on a bed of somebody who else who has been deemed unclean. You could not escape it. The, the point is, is that Jesus is saying, you cannot escape being unclean. You cannot do anything about being unclean. Just imagine trying to live in a surgical theatre. Impossible to know that you can keep the theatre clean because of your life is full of being sullied with life. And so this leper, the predicament of this leper, was that, that it was not referring to a particular sin of any kind, but to the state that he was in. Unavoidable. It's unavoidable that you, um, as such as, I am a human. I cannot help but be human. Well, he was tainted. We cannot avoid, though, we, um, the implications for us. We must see ourselves in the position of this leper. You see, the Bible tells us, doesn't it, that we are inherently sinful, that we are inherently bad, which is a, which is a message that the world doesn't like to hear. We want to find in ourselves some vestiges and um, areas in our life which are good, but don't take my word for it. David, King David, uh, wrote many of the Psalms, and he said this in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil what is in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words that he is sinful and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity from birth, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We go to after Jesus has arrived, and we go to the book of Romans. And it says this in chapter 5. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. He wasn't given a law and then, uh, and then rejected that law and did something of his own. But because death has reigned ever since Adam, we know that is a pointer to our condition, our status, our helpless status of being unclean before God. You see, that recognition of the holiness of God 
and our uncleanliness is seen just just a few verses before in uh, chapter 5 of uh, of Luke. In verse 8, it says, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Do we know the consequences and the gravity and the chasm that is between God's holiness and our filth? See, we are all unclean. The prophet Isaiah said this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. He says, the righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now this is a point which will undermine all what the world says about saying there is something good in you and you can please God by doing and working your way to heaven. Because he says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And our righteous acts, even the things that we think are good, are tainted and filthy because of our sinful nature. Because of the helpless state we are in. Because of the helpless state that the leper was in. He couldn't do anything about it, but everything was tainted. Those filthy acts refer to another kind of unclean um, bodily function of a woman, a woman might experience once a month. But that's what it's saying. It's saying that which is unclean, that which is abhorrent to God, is our righteous acts. The things that we do are good. And that's a hard truth to swallow, isn't it? If we have pride, if we think there is something good in us. It does say, though, that righteous acts are considered filthy if they come from someone who is unclean. Righteous acts through someone who is clean are not counted here. It's the unclean who are unable to do things which are pleasing to God. See, we let our outward morality so like deceive us of an inward filth, our sin, our leprous kind of nature. Nothing is good, the Bible tells us. And this is a merciful truth that God is trying to tell us. No matter how hard you look, Without the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing is good in you. It is all being tainted with sin. All has become unclean. Because if we don't believe that that is the case, then as we consider um, global warming and the rising of the sea levels, and that I feel that, well, actually my goodness has lifted me above the issue. I don't see a need to move house, do I, if the sea levels rise? But I'm still part of the world which is, is, has that problem. But, Jesus, but in Jesus Christ, you see, he says, no, your issue, um, their issue is your issue. All have become unclean. Therefore, you must do something about it. There's no such thing as living on top of a hill out, out of the dirt of sin. Because Jesus said, everybody is filthy. Unless we can identify ourselves as that leper, we'll perceive no need of a saviour, no desperate need. 
where you see the life of the leper, unfit for the presence and worship of God. You see, for this leper, the one who is in so much desperate need of the Lord Jesus, he was an outcast. He was set outside of the people of God. Back in the days of Leviticus, when they had a camp, they were sent outside of the camp. Because the camp is where God lives. And it was for the preservation of the holiness and cleanness of where God is, is that they were excluded. You see, all that which happened within the camp, the worship, the coming to God, knowing of the blessings and, counted to be, uh, and being counted as one of them, was found in the camp. Outside was loneliness. You see, they, you become unfit. You become unclean, shut out, excluded. Excluded from all the wonderful promises and blessings that come through the Lord Jesus. You see, Revelation, the end of, end of the Bible in, in chapter 21, when he's doing that summing up of the day when Jesus comes and the glories that we will see, the bright, shining, glorious Lord Jesus, the champion, the king, the saviour of the world, descending in glory with angels and archangels and everything. It will be absolutely a, a splendid and, uh, and, all, and tremendous day. But it says this, they, which is the nations, the kings of the nations, will bring into it the glory and honour of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone else who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Try as you might. If you feel that you've got a vestige of goodness in you, you can try all you, all you can. But on that day, you will be discovered for what you really are. See, of the 61, I think, I've been told, defilements in the Old Testament of the ancient Jewish laws, leprosy was second only to a uh, dead body in being unclean. It was serious, to say the least. It was in the top two of 61. You see, a leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of any other human, including his own family. Put yourself in the situation of that leper. How lonely. You see your daughters and your sons, and you want to hug them, and you can't. Man, that would break your heart, wouldn't it? Everything you touched and tainted became unclean. So far are we removed from God that everything that we try to speak becomes tainted with our own sin. If you wanted to drink water, you couldn't drink it from a flowing water. It couldn't be fresh because somebody else may pick it up. If you sat on a stone and went away and somebody else sat on the stone, it became unclean. Even when the wind was blowing, you couldn't come within 150 feet of anybody else. Such was the stench and seriousness of his leprosy that he was cast out. But remember, the Old Testament pictures for us what it is like with sin. That if we are unclean, this is our state before God. Our breath stinks. Our skin is vile. We ooze 
disgusting, loathsome pus. That's our sin before God, if we are unclean. And so, for those who are unclean, what have you got to enjoy? Well, I expect the lepers had bread and water. As able to subsist outside, they had their own little colony outside. So perhaps it wasn't so bad after all. But the thing, for all the world might afford you, outside of the camp of God, is nothing to the pleasures and joys of being in that camp. The place where God lives. And you see, this is that leper. He comes to the Lord Jesus absolutely desperate and falls down on his face before the Lord Jesus. It's no, it's, it's no surprise that he does that. Leprosy, a very poor portrait of the loathsomeness of sin. Man, if you could see your sin, and you could see it visibly, as in with the leper, and you saw the Lord Jesus coming, could you be like Mark and say, well, uh, uh, Peter, and say, uh, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, or do you fall on your face and say, there is nothing in me, God, I just want to talk about this surprise of Leviticus 13. Now, Leviticus 13 is where it describes all about this cleanliness and cleanliness of lepers. Okay, um, I wouldn't turn to it at the moment. You might have a little bit of trouble finding it, but, but please look and read at it at home. But it reads like this. It says, And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin, so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous, pers- uh, leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It is all turned white, and he is clean. Don't you think that's absolutely bizarre? If you look at Leviticus 13, it's all about, so like, if you've got these outbreaks of, uh, uh, outbreaks of leprosy, outbreaks of this skin condition, and you, there might be good bits are on you, so that's okay, but... the but if the uh, priest sees that it's starting to spread, or slightly more than skin deep, or that hairs are starting to turn white, he pronounces you unclean. And so wouldn't you think then, by extrapolating that, that if you're covered head to foot, then you're pretty much seriously the uncleanest you can ever be. But here it says, no, you are clean. Partial leprosy, you're unclean. You see, in this man, And we read this in in our uh, chapter today, in Luke 5, that he was full of leprosy, covered with it. This guy was ready to be declared clean. And so we must come in a similar state, knowing that every part of us is tainted with sin, that we are unclean. Yet when we do that, We are in a state ready to be declared clean by the Lord Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, the the priest would come outside of the camp, visit the leper, see his condition, examine him, just as a doctor would, and then would say whether he is clean or unclean. But it's only only to declare it, because it doesn't matter what... He has no effect on what's happening to the, uh, the leper outside of the camp. The leper was had nothing to do with it, but the priest did everything. He came out and he saw to see 
if he was clean or unclean. And if he was clean, it was not without sacrifice. It, Leviticus goes on to say about how you take two birds. You would sacrifice one. You'd use hyssop and his scarlet yarn and cedar to make kind of a brush of which you'd kill the one bird and dip the other live bird in the blood. And then you'd sprinkle the blood on the leper to be able to declare him fit and clean. And the other bird was released. Well, the thing is, in the Lord Jesus, we have a priest that not only declares that we are clean, or can declare that we are clean, but makes us clean. You see, in this leper, he was there. He had leprosy. He hadn't recovered. But the Lord Jesus, in his mercy, hears the cry of the leper as the leper um, claims out for Jesus to heal him, to make him clean. He does. That is the mercy of Jesus. The holy God who came out of the camp, out of the camp of heaven to step outside into a world of sin, for a holy God to then therefore touch a putrid man and make him clean. And so he does with us. And we know that by Jesus' death and resurrection, which we will just uh, think about in the next few moments, that we are declared clean if we are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. It's only through sacrifice can Jesus make us be declared clean. Well, our time has come to an end. But just to draw it to a close, I said we'll just briefly, very, very briefly, look at the last few verses. Verses 17 to 26. One particular thing. In verse 20 it says, And when they saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, in his mercy, shows us his whole authority to come in as the priest of heaven, to come down and heal us as sinners, to declare us clean, to forgive our sins, and he does that through his miracle. So how do we consider ourselves? Basically a good person who's been patched up by the Lord Jesus to be made fit in, in, in parts? Or like, the, or like the leper, putrid and vile before God, that nothing that we could do, even our righteous acts were filthy before him. And it's that the mercy and grace of God have restored us and made us clean. Because if we think that, then this, what we'll take now, means so much more, doesn't it? To be made clean, to be made fit for the presence of God. He came to Simon, Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. See, Jesus came to heal the sick, not the righteous. The physician is come to heal. And so, in full assurance, we can go out of here today knowing that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. We can walk out knowing no matter how or what I've done that Jesus can change my situation. Because Jesus declares 
but anything that he calls impure. Um, well, it says, it says, the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is what he's done with us. We are called in Hebrews as well. As forgiven, healed people, cleansed people. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. See, there is no one too foul that Jesus will not touch. We must follow where Jesus is. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Lord, we recognize that there is nothing good in us save for the grace that you have given us, that now our righteous acts are like perfume to you, that they are a sweet aroma, whereas before, when we did not recognize you and we did not recognize our sin or the need for a savior, Lord, you have made us clean and you have turned our acts into worship, that we may be enjoying the blessings and promises of being in your camp. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Amen.